right. Not Misohonia. Here we go. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270TheFan. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. You're going to need a bigger boat. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, Tim Graham. My first time in three weeks. I know. Feels good to be back. Polo Kerber's here. Polo Kerber hasn't been on the show in about a year. Maybe two. Has it been that long? I don't, it seems like it. All right. Well, we'll get into you know Polo Kerber. Everybody uh, who has been around uh, the the sports scene in Buffalo, or at least the uh, the the local sports scene, knows all about Polo Kerber. And you know his work if you follow the national sports scene. Right. How can you not? One of the big propellers to the customized cleat industry, or customized shoe industry. Fabe Soul High had a, a store at the uh, Galleria Mall, and he has a place downtown. You want to give it a plug? Yeah, sure. Um, 569 Elmwood, the cellar. The cellar, where he, I mean... And these are the shoes, many of the, the cleats that you would see during the My Cause, My Cleats movement uh, were, uh, came from Polo's place and with, uh, through his, uh, an artist that he worked with. The Hey Man. Yeah, the Hey Man. Where is he? Is he out in L.A. now? He's in L.A., yeah. He actually, um, he's making shoes full time. Um, he's been working with a lot of big guys out there. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's living life. And Polo is the big, was the marketing arm of that operation. And going out and getting guys like Alexander Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin, different yeah. baseball players. You um, were you were in every sport. Yeah, uh, football was the biggest, but we tried to branch it off just to be you know more on that national scale. Antonio Brown, AB, yeah, that uh, was LeSean a big McCoy, guy. Shady, all kinds of guys. You're Jar- working with Jarvis Landry we're now. With Jarvis Landry now, yeah. So that's exciting with uh, everything that's going on with the Browns. You all couldn't right. you couldn't sell Antonio Brown on Buffalo. Can tell him how nice it is to live here. It, yeah, I, I what, tried. Is it your fault? <laughs> I tried. I even texted him and I said, "You know, welcome to my city. Can't wait till you get here. You're gonna love it." And he was like, "Nah." <laughs> that, that, <laughs> he just replied, "Nah." That was it. So I fly out to Oakland. Bro. Yeah, I, I tried. Did you ever so, have any conversations with him after that about Buffalo or what happened? Not after. No, just it was like you know, kind of. He let me know everything that was going on, but, you know, we didn't really talk too much about how he's been throwing shots at Buffalo after the fact. <laughs> so you just kind of turtled after that and be yeah. like, all right, yeah, man, I'll talk like, at right, you later. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we're going to get into that throughout the show. Polo Kerber's here, and one of the reasons Polo's here, too, is that he's a huge pro wrestling guy. He's been on the show before to talk about it. Uh, WrestleMania is on Sunday in New York City at MetLife Stadium. And we're also going to have, uh, hopefully, there's some travel issues involved. And because she has rehearsal later today, Beth Phoenix, a Canisius College grad, she's going to join us by phone. She is out of retirement, very much involved in uh, this upcoming WrestleMania. And ladies uh, taking the main stage for this big event. And I think that the evolution of women in pro wrestling has been fascinating. And you may think of it as... Yeah, even today's wrestlers, skimpy outfits, whatever. The men are in skimpy outfits, too. It's a physique uh, enter, uh, form of entertainment, yes, really. Sir. I mean, you have to have the show. and I mean, every same thing as motion pictures. Uh, so, yes, you do have a look, and there is some uh, – they're very revealing outfits and things like that. So this isn't – that's it's not about that from the women like it used to be. Mm. 
It's gotten it was way like away soft from court. that. Yeah, yeah, it used to be softcore porn. It was like Cinemax. Yeah. You know, this is actual, you know, the yeah. same. They're doing the same thing as the men. So, uh, but so it is way more legit now from a women's standpoint. And uh, we're going to talk to uh, Beth Phoenix, hopefully, if uh, her travel allows. Uh, Chad Didaminisis of DieByTheBlade.com. He's going to come in also, and we're going to talk about what's going on with the Sabres. And that's set up. Uh, kind of let, let's bring everything full circle. And uh, Jonah Bronstein is here today. He's handling things uh, on Periscope. Uh, you can see a live feed of the Tim Graham show. Uh, we've tweeted out the link. Uh, feel free to watch us there. And then you can watch us later on also on Periscope where it's archived. Bobby Rosati did on the knobs for us. Um, no Mike Rodak today. Real quick, he's he's got the day off, so if people are waiting to hear for uh, for Mike Rodak. Is he having voice, another baby? Here. He might be. <laughs> Every <know>. Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Mike Rodak show. Uh, so let's get into this. We have some time here before we get... Oh, Patrick Beeline, Ooh, new Niagara right. University basketball coach uh, who was uh, introduced just yesterday. Uh, he's going to join the show at about 5 o'clock, uh, so... Uh, Listen in for that, and we're going to talk about uh, his hiring there, uh, Big Four uh, basketball, of course, uh, his ties to the area, and his excitement about uh, coaching the Purple Eagles. And he was at the Sabres game last night. He can tell us what's, what's <laughs> going right, get, what's going right, wrong there. He guaranteed yeah. he a can win. Break, break down the X's and O's. Uh, all right, so I'm in a weird, not a weird place. I'm just kind of, uh, I'm amazed. I am in, I guess captive, it's captivating in a certain way uh, from an observer standpoint. I feel bad for the people involved because I think uh, this Buffalo fan base is more exasperated than I have ever seen it before. With everything that's going on with the Buffalo Sabres, uh, I don't even think it's it should be with the Bills, and yet it is. Uh, because of the Pagula's comments last week at the owners' meetings where I was, which is why I wasn't on the show uh, in studio last week. Uh, things that were said by Terry and Kim Pagula, not only about the, their hockey team, but their football team. People demanding uh, more football and hockey people in charge of things. Layered in between the Pagulas and the general managers. People want Phil Housley gone. There's this confluence especially with the hockey team right now sabers fans never more vexed confused than i've ever experienced it and i've been covering the sabers since 2001 i think they're more exasperated now than when their owner was led away in handcuffs and the team plunged into bankruptcy right after they lost Dominic Hasek and Michael Pekka, when the NHL was operating the club until it could be sold, when Mark Hamister was announced as the next owner of the Buffalo Sabres and was signing autographs at the arena, he was announced inside the arena as the, as the future owner of the Buffalo Sabres. Somewhere in this town, somebody has a Sabres jersey, a black and red Sabres jersey that's been autographed by Mark Hamister. <laughs> I'm sure somebody got a Sabres jersey signed by Mark Hamister at that game. And then, lo and behold, come to find out, even after, by the way, and I was at this news conference, so the Sabres are having a sponsorship event the day that the NHL sends out a formal statement saying that Mark Hamister has been approved as the next owner of the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres are having an event with the sponsor 
uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name, uh, High Good. High Gr- uh, it's a janitorial company in the city of Tonawanda. They're known for selling things like commercial rolls of toilet paper and urinal cakes and mops and detergents that you put on your floors. Did you look it up? Yeah, I looked it up. What is it? High, high, high good. H Y G O O D. Yeah, high good. That's a good memory. And so the Sabres, including Darcy Regeer and Lindy Ruff and all the other executives, are at this sponsorship event. Well, the media wants to talk to Darcy Regeer and Lindy Ruff about the new owner. So what did they do? They have a news conference at this custodial company, at this place that sells urinal cakes. It's fantastic. <laughs> and we're down, I, I, I specifically recall interviewing both Lindy Ruff and, and Darcy Regeer at this event. And they were, of course, excited. But I just thought of this setting, how fitting. And then within a few days, come to find out that Mark Hamister's financial backer had no money. He was in the same, doing the same things that John Regas was doing. He was cooking his books. He had no money. And that's how Tom Golisano eventually comes in. But anyway, I think Sabres fans are more agitated now than they were then. I had a talk today with Marty Baran about it. And Marty Baran, who played on those teams, those bankrupt teams, went through that whole thing. And, of course, he works for the team now. He's a broadcaster. He's lived in the area. There are very few people who can tell you, with the context of a Marty Baran, what it was like then and compare it to now and then have been here throughout the entire time. Yeah. And I said, Marty, am I not remembering this correctly? I reached out to him today. I said, isn't it worse now than it was then? And he said, I agree with you 100%. He says it's toxic right now that... It, it's he he blames a lot of it on social media, but fans are just they're out of their gourds, and I don't blame them. I, I don't blame. I don't. I'm not faulting the fans. It's the but it's this confluence. It's the tankers versus the anti-tankers. They're still at it. It's the continuity advocates versus the blow it all up again people. It's the old school hockey guys versus the analytics backers. There's this, everything's, everybody's going at it, and I think they're kind of devouring each other. And so it dawned on me as I'm getting ready for this show that it, with WrestleMania coming up, and I knew Polo was going to be in here, and we're going to have <laughs> Beth, uh, Beth Phoenix on today, and we're going to talk about wrestling because I'm fascinated by it. I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but I think it's worth talking about. But anyway, I'm thinking... Pro wrestling fans, I think, are more tethered to reality than so-called real sports fans these days. And I'll throw in another element to it. I mean, guys, feel free to interrupt me, but I mean, I'm on a little bit of a a roll here, but I'm kind of just trying to wrap my head around it. I don't know if I can. This phenomenon with with what's going on with this, this NFL fan poll, people are going ape dung over not finishing first in a fan poll. I mean, who cares? Who cares? This cockamamie NFL fan poll, everybody's just beside themselves that they didn't finish first. And Buffalo sports fans have this need, this craving to be recognized as great. It's more important, I think, for the Buffalo sports fans to be acknowledged as the best fan base than it is necessarily to have the best teams. And maybe yeah. that's true everywhere. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, it, well, you no, may, no, definitely not. <laughs> you may. Well, you may. You can also say. Oh, so I can rationalize this. I can understand why fans have gotten to this point. And it's all those things I said. Every, everybody's confused 
Nobody know. Everybody's pulling in different directions. The fans aren't even rowing in the same direction. Everybody's just at each other. They don't know what to do. They're out of options. They be, they thought they believed in something, and they're coming to realize that it's not true. Whether it was maybe you were all fully invested in that Jack Eichel was going to be the savior, and as soon as he got here, we were going to turn it around. And a, a local broadcaster said a giraffe could run. It didn't matter. Get Jack Eichel in here. A giraffe could be the general manager. It doesn't matter. Oh, really? Well, are the, the fans now want their third giraffe. Maybe the they should have went with the giraffe. They should have went with that giraffe that just died at the zoo. Maybe that one would have done better. I don't know. I don't think it. But Connor McDavid was is better than Jack Eichel, and the Edmonton Oilers haven't figured it out either. So that's another set of general managers. And so everybody just doesn't know how to do it. That the tank was the answer. I was a tank guy. I, I'll admit I was wrong. Again, I don't want to go down too far down the the road of tank anti tank. I think, but it all adds to this stew of this roiling mess of rawness that that these that fans have they're out of options they don't know what to do it takes time tanking for a good a player is kind of is pretty desperate it's like we've tried all these other things let's do this well now they tried that and that didn't work so now what do you do but go on your third head coach in in five years four years it takes time the sixers had to tank for five six years oh i agree with you polo i i agree i think it does take time and they're still pulling out of it yeah I think Darlene is part of it. You know, this whole thing. Yeah, they'll get out of it, which is why I... It's a little early to say it hasn't worked. It's not trending well, it hasn't, it in hasn't the right yet. direction. I'm not saying it, it hasn't... It, not necessarily that it's failed, but it, ha, it sure, I don't think it's worked yet. Right. And, and I, there's... As poorly as the Sabres playing, I wouldn't say that what Jason Botterill's doing, the rebuild that they're in the midst right now, has failed. You know, playing pretty well in Rochester... Some of the young players have showed promise. Some of the young players might be a little too young, Middlestead, Darlene, to really be effective in helping them win games. And there's a lot of things to be, I think, upset about with the way the Sabres are playing, the way they're being coached, and, and some of the effort. But there's still, I, I think it would be more depressing if they had an older team and you really knew that they couldn't compete with this team. And now you had to go back to square one. If Jack Eichel was a real bust, which he's not, he's not even kind of a bust, he's an all star player. For sure. So there, there's still a possibility that I think they could right this ship and get it going in the next year or two, especially if the, the farm system is as good as it looks like it might be. But, and this is where I'm perplexed, is why the Sabres fans are so angry right now, so emotionally invested in whether they win game 78 in what's become a lost season and mad that, oh, did you see they got shut out again? Because of the ten game winning streak, pl- yeah. Because that's exactly who right. Who cares Bobby, about why. that? Like, and why does that change everything? That oh, we didn't think shouldn't. they were going to be a good team, but they won some ten games. So now Stanley Cup or bust. Yeah. That came up today in my conversation with Marty Baran, and he thought that it maybe that to, for the fan base it did more harm than good. Uh, that it built up these expectations of okay, all these things that we thought X Y Z were going to here they here they come, and then all of a sudden it, it's it was a mirage, mm-hmm. and so there's a crash. So that ten game winning streak was your your pill. It was your it was your oxycontin. It was your it was your heroin. It was your weed. It was whatever. It was your shot of Jack Daniels. And now all of a sudden it's gone. There's no supply anymore. You're fiending. <laughs> Everybody's been fiending we for can three find months. Someone. So yeah, the t- the ten game streak. It was a cra- it was just a crash. Everybody's still hung over from that. They want heads to roll. They want somebody to pay for their pain. I get it. I mean, I understand. But 
when I think back, and it's a little bit apples to well, it's apples to oranges. Of course, you're talking about the financial aspect of it, and the Regus thing happened. It was a big shock. It was boom out of nowhere. What's happened uh, during over the last three years with the Sabers has been a slow roll. It's been a slow burn, I should say. Yeah, burn happened for, in one burn. happened in one game at a time, and it gets old. Uh, everybody knew eventually the Sabers were going to have an owner, and hopefully it was going to be a good owner. But now they're looking at it and thinking, are we ever going to win again? Uh, it's it, to me, it's and phone lines are open if you want to call in two seventy twelve seventy. That's seven one six area code. I wonder if the difference is between comparing now to the early two thousands with the Sabers and the Bills. There was a lot of worry back then about whether the teams were going to be here for the long term, whether ownership changes, ownership turmoil would lead to somebody buying the team and moving them out of the market. Now that the Pagulas have bought the team, that worry's not there anymore. So fans don't have to support the team in that context. They don't have to say – they don't have to right. convince the owners and the team that you should be here. So that it's almost like if you're in a relationship where you're so secure, you don't care if you make your wife or your – girlfriend or your husband mad so that you can just be a jerk to them as much as you want it's like i think the fans are kind of like that the pagulas aren't going to move this team so we can express our anger to them and they have to respond eventually and the bills are not that far removed from really playing well they went to the playoffs everybody they have their quarterback of the future whether you think he's going to work or not at least they're set at that position they're making signings so with what happened last week in phoenix with the pagulas talking about their football team and people saying they ken pagula needs to step aside and they need to hire a football person and why they have more football people on their staff right now than they've ever had they have people who were who were vice presidents of football operations with other teams they have guys underneath Brandon, underneath Brandon Bean, who've interviewed for general manager jobs multiple times over. Guys like Lake Dawson, you know, Joe Shane is is a, considered a bright mind, and uh, Malik Boyd. I mean, there's all kinds of guys. They lost Brian Gain. They had who's now the general manager of the Houston Texans. So they have football people. They have hockey guy. His name's Jason Botterell. So if you if you have a problem with Kim Pagula being the president of the Sabers, you have to understand what a president does, and it's different from team to team. You know the, who the president of the New England Patriots is, right? Donald Trump. <laughs> it's Jonathan Kraft. He just happens to be the owner's son. I think if you looked at a bunch of different teams, it's going to be the owner's son. Who became the next owner of the New York Yankees? Hal Steinbrenner. I mean, there's all. Maybe during the break, I'll take a look at. I'll just pull some random teams that are considered for their for their greatness. You know, the Steelers. It's a Rooney, I'll bet. Definitely the, the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know who their president is, but I, I bet you he's he he didn't. He's not in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Uh, I've always assumed Stephen the president, Jones, Jerry Jones's son, yeah. is the president of the Cowboys. More of it's, a business exactly. CEO leader than anything to do You're with exactly the on-field right. ice. That's product. where people. I think there's a lot of misogyny involved with Kim. They don't want Kim Pagula. What does she know? Let's take a call. It's but Greg, let, let's it's see Greg if we can Popovich. Get one. Greg Popovich is the president. Well, is Greg Popovich on the line? This is Greg calling in. So throw him right on. I don't don't even screen it, Bobby. It's not Leon, is it? I hope it is Leon. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know what you what do you think? Are pro wrestling fans more tethered to reality than no, no, no. than yes. Buffalo sports fans? Absolutely. Why I, I, is that? Um, the thing with me with Maureen. with the thing with me with with Buffalo sports fans is I feel that they're 
very unrealistic with their expectations. It's always so high, and then you get let down so hard. It's every every year is, oh, we can beat this team, we can beat this team, we can beat this team. And you just assume, all right, we're going to go to the playoffs. And then when you win four or five games, then it's you don't know how to how to handle it. And then, you know, you, you end up just looking for something to blame instead of being realistic with, okay, you know, this is where our team is. It's every year it's, they, you know, they, they think that they can beat the New England Patriots twice a year, every <laughs> yeah, single year. Yep. And you just get let down. Mm-hmm. They're not realistic. Maureen, thanks for calling in. Uh, what's on your mind about these, uh, what's going on with Buffalo sports? Well, I think, I think the, the big problem, and it will take a while or taking a while, uh, is to get over all the things that Murray did that really were major problems uh, in terms of the, the cost of uh, players' contracts that he signed, players he traded away. Um, you know, yeah, he got Jack Eichel, but any, any GM would have picked up Jack Eichel at that point in the draft. Um, I, think, I think the first year for Botterill is, is you have to just kind of overlook it. I have some questions about whether um, uh, Housley is really into this part of, into this kind of coaching. You know, his, his coaching experience outside of Nashville is, is with youth groups, things like that. And I, I, I question the length of the, the season. I know they've talked about that in terms of the younger players that aren't used to this kind of season, the length of the season, and everybody seems to kind of be flailing around. But um, I, I, I do have hopes. I, I hope they keep Jason Commonville. I don't think we need to let him go and then try to find some leader outside of us. I, I think you have to look inside first for some of these things. We're always trading away what we have, and then we're, we're crying that we don't have any leadership. And I don't think, I don't think Eichel is necessarily the leader. Um, I don't think you always make the highest scorer the leader. I, I just I don't think it's there. I think you have to have somebody that's been around ups and downs, everything. I, I agree with a lot of what you said, Marina, and especially with what you say regarding Jack Eichel. I, I, you know, I think back to when Vinny LeCavalier was made the captain of the Tampa Bay Lightning at 19 just because he was the high draft pick and uh, the, right. the highest paid player and the superstar of the future at the time. And uh, I agree. Uh, I think, though, that he's done a pretty good job based on everything that I've heard. I'm not in that locker room every day, but I do talk to a lot of people on the team. Uh, in that he has uh, stepped things up, that he is an example. But how long was he in the game, and who was he around long enough to really know what the example should be? So in many regards, because like you say, Jason Pominville, they probably could use a couple. Would it really kill him if Matt Molson was still on the team right now? I mean, yes, he's making $5 million a year, and you want to have him step aside. But by all accounts, he was a guy who was like a Jason Pominville in that he was a pro's pro. He'd been around. Uh, everybody loved him as a leader, uh, did everything the right way, came to work, worked hard. I mean, yeah, he, but, was, he, was, he was making way too much money for his production, and I'm actually writing a story about that right now. But, I mean, those are the types of guys that you still need in your, in your system. Right. But he was uh, a lightning rod for fan criticism. If he, he was sure, still here, you're you'd right. be getting run so out of town. it does come back to exactly what you say, Jonah, and I think what Marine's getting at. And, and we are still living with, and that was a Jason Botterill decision. That was not... Tim Murray signed him. Jason Botterill is the one who sent him down to the minors. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is a – they are still building, and they still need infrastructure. They're, they don't just need some talented players, some snazzy you know scorers. They still need right. the underpinnings of the roster. 
And I don't think that getting rid of Phil Housley helps that. I don't think that Jason Bowder, that definitely doesn't help it because then you're starting all over again. I think that continuity is the play here. I know that fans don't want to hear it because they need change. They need the, they need to see the Pagulas are doing something. And that's why I think everybody is so mixed up. So, Maureen, you brought up some great points. Thanks for calling Can in. Can I mention one other thing? Absolutely. The, um, the thing with Commonville, I think um, what's kind of interesting is, you know, he was playing uh, with the line. He made the, uh, the thousand. Maureen, I think you have somebody else in your house trying to use the phone. No, I'm in a parking lot. Right oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> a thousand, a thousand uh, gay mark. They honored him, and then all of a sudden, you didn't hear from him. He was, They moved him off the line, and it seemed like that's when a lot of the things started falling apart. Um, I, it may just be all coincidental, but I, I don't know why he got moved from the first line. He was the only one that was willing to stand in front of the net. Lucky when things went off at him or he redirected shots, but I think he was really vital to the success of that first line, especially from the start uh, when they were first put together. So that's all I have to say. Maureen, thanks so much for the call, and thank you for listening. Uh, We're going to head a break, and we're going to come back. uh, uh, Phone lines are open. Feel free to call in and, and lend your thoughts as to why Buffalo sports fans are so worked into a lather these days why is it this way i don't think it's necessarily this way in other markets the need especially and i bring in that the poll phenomenon again to to have to be respected uh, whether it be by a chicago website early in the bill season and this new movement i guess is to when bills fans are getting disrespected that the response is we're going to throw money at your charities i mean they're there's some charities in Buffalo that could use that money. Uh, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I guess I am criticizing this, but it seems like it's, it's being, it's charity for attention. And pure charity is supposed to be anonymous. That's, that's true too. Mm-hmm. I've always believed that. Anyway, a lot to talk about. That's what Jesus A lot say. to sift through. <laughs> here on the Tim Graham Show. We have Polar Kerber here in studio. We're going to have uh, Chad Dedeminisis uh, from Die by the Blade. He's going to join us. We're going to have Patrick Beeline coming up, Beth Phoenix, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati, and more coming up after this on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. This is the Tim Graham Show. So you're telling me there's a chance. On Twitter at 1270 The Fan. I wasn't supposed to put beef in the trifle. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Podcast available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and SportsRadio 1270.com. That's a lot of information to get in 30 seconds. Sports Radio 1270. The Tim Graham Show. The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. In studio today with Polo Kerber, sports marketing entrepreneur. Yes, sir. Got an event coming up in June in suburban Cleveland with Jarvis Landry, one of his clients. Antonio Brown has been one of his clients. We got into it there at the beginning of the show, but <laughs> then bit. I diverted. And you, yes. Probably happily for you. Yeah, keep it. <laughs> Save Let's me. Let's dip back into it, though. Oh, man. All right. So what can, what can you tell us about the process of, you know, 
with Antonio Brown in Buffalo, and I know that you said that once things fell apart, you haven't spoken with him. But yes, about that. Yeah. Oh, about that. About so you that. have. So, but nothing's ever come up again about. No, not about not about Buffalo. You I'm, working there and having your having your store on on an Elmwood. I mean, there he he knows that I live here. He mm-hmm. knows this is where I'm from. Um, you know, so I I was actually excited about you know the potential things that we could do here. He was never really never really interested. I don't know if you've ever seen the 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 video when he was talking about the the day of the draft when the Buffalo Bills called his brother's phone and he went to go pick it up and the Steelers called his phone and he ignored the Bills call and so this is the second time that he's really done this to the Buffalo Bills where he even on draft day as a 6 round pick said, "Nah, I don't want to go to Buffalo. I'll, I'll go to Pittsburgh." And then now decided to do that again. I don't know what it is. Pittsburgh's not that big of a city either, but I think... Well, there's a tradition of winning. Yeah, there's a tradition of winning. All the and Lombardi trophies that ha- they have in their lobby. It, exactly. And going going to the Raiders, everybody's so focused on, well, the Bills won you know, one more game and we're going to be better. But when you're going to Oakland, you're going knowing that they're moving to Las Vegas. And as Antonio Brown... You're a top receiver in the NFL. The marketing potential that you will have there, or the branding potential, you know, he's he's already established. Let's not forget as a no state tax in Nevada. No state tax in Nevada. You're going to be the face of a team, of a brand new team in a big city. Um, so I, I think that that's, you know, if you can go there, why wouldn't you? You're going to be on Monday Night Football. You're going to yeah. have your prime time uh, appearances uh, that you're not going to have in Buffalo. And I think that feeds into what we were talking about last segment, the, the inferiority complex that. Buffalo sports fans have and it's always been there but it seems to be so heightened right now uh, where any patronizing display or gesture uh, people will bend over backwards uh, I mean, uh, Sean McDermott last week at the owners meetings where he's talking about uh, you know uh, people in Buffalo and, and what you what you need to understand about Buffalo and how people get it wrong Nate Oates uh, at the NCAA tournament talking about if uh, if you uh, the weather's uh, the temperature's the same inside a gym in Buffalo as it is in Florida and if you're uh, if you don't want to come to Buffalo then maybe I'm recruiting the wrong guy and yeah people get the wow I mean they get pumped up about stuff like yeah. that um, and yet we eat each other I like think we, we eat <laughs> we devour each other yeah. when it comes to uh, you know our beliefs as fans and what we should do and uh, the toxicity that you see all over the place through social media, on the airwaves, in the newspaper, uh, maybe even the show, uh, uh, talking to each other at the at the bar. I mean, people are just I keep coming back to the word exasperated. I think they're just confused. I think you used to know exactly what you needed out of your team, yep. what you wanted, what the goal was. And, of course, you can easily say that the goal is the Lombardi Trophy or the Stanley Cup. But we're so far down yeah. into the, the basement or the, uh, you know, trying to work our ways back up right. as to what the expectation should be. And people are even fighting over the expectations. Well, it's about setting goals at this point, too. Because, obviously, like you said, the overall goal is to win the Lombardi. But... Now you have to set a direction and follow that direction. That's what's tough to do. But I the- will, and I will say this, Bobby. You talk about the expectations. The Bills have done a significantly better job in projecting expectations since Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have been here. Right. 
in terms sure. of set it, getting the fans not too worked up. They went to the playoffs, and yet heading into last season, people did not expect the playoffs again. I think there were probably some fans that, yeah, hey, we were pretty good. We just got a, we got better at quarterback. But the the Bills weren't talking like, hey, now it now it's now we're getting ready for a Super Bowl. We made it one step. Now we're here. We go. Um, they were they do a fantastic job of that. The Sabers, I, I just don't seem to ever get a an overarching message. They're not very transparent the, from the, the Sabers in terms of what what they're trying to do. You have to kind of decipher it. The Bills, I think, have a better dynamic with their fans, and it might not really be any of their doing that a lot of the Bills fans understand that it's about entertainment, it's about going to the game and having a good time, it's about having a team that you like rooting for. Obviously, you can't lose all the games, but when the Bills win eight or nine games, the fans seem to have some enjoyment in the season, where the Sabres fans, they don't enjoy going to the games, they don't enjoy rooting for this team, they don't seem to have much of a connection with the players and the leaders, at least over the last few years, and so it seems like they've really lost – I don't want to say perspective, but they've lost that way to look at it as, hey, I'm just going to the hockey game to have a good time. There's yeah. none of that anymore. Yeah. Happy to have Chad Didiminisis. Didiminisis. I said it right. Yeah. It did. I it. Said, pull that thing down there. Get, the, get that thing. The, the, the I'm in. There I'm you in. go. There we go. He's the managing editor of uh, Die by the Blade, and I've wanted to have him on the show for a while now, and I think that he's, of course, I've been out of town for a couple of weeks, so that made it tough, but... Uh, I actually was practicing saying your name all day because I knew as soon as you come in, I said, I want to nail it. And, of course, I said it right, and I still doubted myself. Chad no, Dedeminisis. Got it. Per- that was actually perfect. I'm, I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank you. I did my research. <laughs> no, but I listened to the podcast. You are closing in. The Die by the Blade podcast yep. is closing in on 100 episodes. 100 where are you now? You're at like 96? 90, I think we just did 94. 94. Okay. Do you, do you know what you're going to do for 100? No idea yet. I don't know when it's going to be. Okay. Because sometimes we just, when we're mad after games, we just throw episodes up. Or we have <laughs> weekly ones too, so it's... So that's a lot. Yeah. So if you do it when you're mad, uh, we may get to 100 uh, by, by like tomorrow. Next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Well, yeah. Check it out. Uh, it is on uh, iTunes. Uh, where else can you get? Is it in iTunes? Everywhere. It's iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, Stretcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you listen to anything, it's probably there. I learn a lot listening to the show. And uh, so we were talking, and I don't know if you were listening on your drive over here as you were rushing uh, to get to the <laughs> Sports Radio 1270 The Fan Studios. Do you enjoy it? Isn't it nice in here? Yeah. It's yeah. pretty impressive, I, I get the air freshener thing now when I first walked in. Yeah. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> I first saw that, I'm like, that's kind of weird. We have some food <laughs> sitting there, though. That's uh, been, I, yeah, it was here when helping. I arrived, and I think, you know, we, I think it, I don't know, there's some barbecues or some buffalo something or other in there. Buffalo cauliflower. cauliflower. Oh, what's, oh, okay. the, what's the point of that? Okay. <laughs> it's supposed to be like, sounds great. Yuck. But we're trying to understand, to decipher where Buffalo sports fans are. And I know that you can't necessarily lump in Sabres fans with Bills fans. There is some overlap. There's right. some nuance there, too. Yep. But why are Sabres fans in particular so agitated now? And I Okay, then that's a question that can answer itself. But the team has been in worse places. True. Their owner was led away in handcuffs. The yeah. team was bankrupt. The, Gary Bettman was running the team for several months. Scary thought. Uh, without 
with Dominic Hasek freshly departed and Michael Pekka gone after yeah. the holdout and Mark Hamister is your owner. Oh no, wait, he's in the his he doesn't have the money either. Uh, it was it was a mess and fans weren't as agitated then as they are now. What is what has to be done? And I think I saw you tweet earlier today. Something like, "What needs to be done to get to the point where we're not talking about the tank anymore? <laughs> Does it have to be a, a forty-goal season? Is yeah. it a trip to the the back-to-back postseason berths? Is it what is it? How do, how do we how do we get through this so that way we're not trying to devour each other on a daily basis? <laughs> uh, it, it's been kind of a theme. I think even on Twitter, if you follow me the last couple of weeks, uh, winning gears all, and that's really it. You, you simply have to win. We have to win games. You have to win games and I think this season I don't think they had to be a playoff team this season. I think they just had to be close. Just just be you could have been out of it last week. You could have been Minnesota and got knocked out yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think you would be a lot happier. But it's I think it's the way this entire season went went down pretty much. You had that ten game winning streak in the beginning where all the hope and all the like, oh look it's actually working now and then, you know, the last 50 whatever games you win 14 of those and now it's like whoa like i'm i'm in ottawa territory all of a sudden what happened here how much difference do you think it would make if you take away let's take away the 10 game win streak mm-hmm. let's keep the 10 wins but sprinkle them out on a, at, at regular intervals yep uh and, and the record is what the record is what, this morning when we woke up yep. when we woke up uh but you just didn't have that uh that stoking of the imagination uh, that we had back during the 10 game win streak, but they are still right where they are. What, what do you think that, how do you think that would change the mood of the Buffalo sports fan today? Not at all. Cause no? it's, it's still where they are. They're still at 71 or 72 points. But wasn't there a crash after the 10 game when it, when, I, I the, mean, when the, the, the mirage yeah. finally evaporated? Right. But it's still, it, that record of the day still isn't good enough. I mean, it's for personally, for me, you had to be at 80, I think you had to be at 82 points this year to be right. considered somewhat of a success. You're going to walk – I mean, they're going to – they're probably – except they're going to get a college goaltender tomorrow, which might save them and give them a win. They're probably going to lose their next two games and end on a 10-game losing streak, which would be poetic. But it's like – It would be, actually. It from, a, from a storytelling standpoint. <laughs> right? Yeah, from a writer standpoint, right. it's kind of like, yeah, that would be good. I, right. like, I so mean, I like that the book ends it. Yeah. It's very tidy. But you're, if you end with, let's say you get 75 points – it's nowhere near good enough going right. into the season. If, it, if on the first night of the season you go, okay, buckle up, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but you're going to get to April 6th, you're going to have 75 points, people would lose their minds like they but are But you now. said 82 points, right? Well, I'm saying if you told so, them they'd get 75. My, oh, my success is 82. Okay. If you told so you're somebody, only seven points away from that. It's That's a lot. I mean, that's what? I guess that's four games, but still. It is. It's, I, I think it's... It's a it's a difference when you're going from six two to eighty two. That's a that's a twenty point jump. Right. And yeah, it's only seven points. But I, I think it you you look at the standings like the Detroit Red Wings are having a better season than you. Where you know the Ottawa Senators are below you. You're going to finish in the bottom three. Like New Jersey could pass you like tomorrow, and you're going to be like in the bottom three again. That's just not good enough. And again, it, it's an improvement because you're going from six two to seventy five. I get that. But really, you only, in a way, you jump two, two spots in the standings. That's it. Right. And that's just not good enough. Chad, why do you think, and, and maybe it's not the case, but it seems to me the Sabres fans are very focused on today's result, this season's points, the current losing streak, the winning streak they had in the context of all that, and less looking at it 
from the broader perspective is, is this team growing? Are the young players developing? Uh, do they look like they're going in the right direction? Well, you know, is that, do you see that or, and why is that? Yeah, I, I, you see it, but it's, you, yeah, you see it. You see Darlene's having a, one of the best years for an 18 year old defenseman like ever, you know, and you know, Eichel is having a career year. Reinhardt's having career years. Uh, it's been rough for Middlestat, but, you know, you're getting a look at Olsen now, who's a younger player, looks decent. Uh, Nylander is, to me, surprising some people with the way he's played since he's come up. So, yeah, there's some improvement in your youth. But I, I think it's it's a lot of, well, yeah, Jack Eichel's playing good, but I don't know, he's only like 20th in points. And a lot of people just, that's what they that's what they focus on. Yeah. It's not looking at, really, like, for me, like, I'm very focused like, on the analytical stuff. You see his impact. It's maybe not reflected in... His point totals that he's not a hundred point player like Connor McDavid, but he's an extremely impactful player. So is Reinhardt. So is Darlene. You look at his impact numbers for an eighteen year old; it's insanity. But you know that's not in front of your face, and it's hard for people to understand that because a lot of people grow up on this is the standings, this is the points, this is this, this is that. You know, nobody won awards, nobody gets recognized for anything, and they have seventy five points and they finish bottom three in the league. And it seems like it's only right now that matters. Right. Whether they're building towards something better in the future, well, they've been, isn't they've been something sold that hope. fans you've care been about sold right now. Hope so long that it's how. <laughs> I mean, since what, since you drafted Eichel, I mean, I'm, I mean, what are you going to buy it anymore? I wouldn't either. I, I completely buy that. Yeah. They're gonna, probably going to fire their coach. They have to get another one, and then the general manager's going to be like, "Yeah, but this is year, you know, three of my plan. <clears throat> Let me tell you about what we're going to do next year." And then, you know, we were told selling trading O'Reilly was going to fix things and make it better in the locker room and. Here we are with the St. Louis Blues go to the playoffs. I mean, that's you know, it's it's just a lot of things you've been told that were gonna happen. Uh, I think just haven't happened, and rightfully so. After five, six years of that, I think you just people just don't buy it anymore. And I, I, I honestly can't blame them. For me, I sit here and I can tell you, well, yeah. I mean, they're gonna have this cap space. Uh, Bottle really hasn't made that many bad moves besides maybe the rally trade, and that's it. And it's. You know, it's it's tough. It's, Winning in Rochester, which is usually that, yeah, a good sign right. that the the main club is going to be good yep. down the line. Correct. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, you had a few players from Rochester come up. Uh, Tage Thompson goes down where he should have been there all year long. Finally gets sent down. Has a good start. And, you know, you could see a lot of the players. Pilot started down there. He's a nice, promising young player. There's other guys that are developing. Olofsson is a lot different than the player he was when he started in training camp. Uh, he's a more all-around player. I think his skating has improved. I think at the NHL level, he still needs to figure out how to get open, but he did that in Europe. He figured it out in AHL, and now he's just figured it out in the NHL, and I think he will. And then Nylander, too. I think he's developed and has gotten better in certain areas. There's still things he has to work on, but you're seeing it. You're, you're seeing the growth. And the most interesting thing of all, with all of this, I mentioned the coach. Well, the Rochester coach, I think there's a possibility that he could be the next coach. Mm. So maybe he just comes yeah. up with those guys. Chris in Taylor. That style. Right. and. You know, whenever I watch Rochester, I like the way they play. They play that aggressive forechecking style, which makes it hard to play against. And if he's going to bring that up and he brings a similar coaching style that they have in the organization, and it's also an easy sell for Botterill that we're not making a drastic change here. We're getting rid of right. this guy who didn't succeed. We're bringing somebody who's already in our organization who knows our players because he's at development camp. He's at training camp. He's around these guys. He's been around our kids that are coming up. And it just it's an easy sell. And he... Yeah. The way he's done with Rochester, especially if they win a series in the playoffs in the AHL, I think it, it's going that way more and more. At least for me, it's the way it kind of looks. He could even spin that that was the plan all along. 
Sure right. he could. I mean, Chet. he hired Taylor, so why not? Right. Hey, Chad, you said something interesting at the beginning. we got to get to a break here in a second, but I thought it was really interesting, and I think some people can think about this. You said winning cures all, and you know what? You know what? The I know that's a cliche. Everybody says it. You luck into wins in a, in an NHL season in an, in a baseball mm-hmm. season. The only the only season you could virtually go under or go completely defeated and winless is football because right. there's only 16 games. You should luck into a couple wins, a couple extra games along the way that you pick up an extra point. They're not doing even that. That I think that's where they they miss out. That's where the four games, the the yeah. four games of points right. you lose out on. Half the team makes half the teams in the league make the playoffs every year, <laughs> right. and they haven't done right. it in eight years. The turnover, absolutely. right? I mean, it, it's it's right. really the hard. We'll talk about that, and we're going to get into uh, a little bit more Sabers talk. Uh, we're going to have Patrick Beeline from Niagara University coming up. Beth Phoenix. Chad Diminisis here in studio for the rest of the show. So we're going to get all kinds of more Sabers talk in. There was another point I was going to make, but I think let's just get to the break. Polo Kerber, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati. A lot going on here. As my dad would say, a smorgasbord of sports <laughs> information. Your dad's got a lot of sayings. My dad, my dad never met a word he couldn't mangle. <laughs> on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Polo Kerber took off. I didn't realize that he had to get out of here. I was just assuming he was going to stick around. He, any other time he's been on the show, he hangs out for the whole thing. So uh, Polo took off. He was supposed to give us more WrestleMania thoughts. but Yeah, he didn't even give us one thought about WrestleMania. No, he didn't. He didn't. Well, the thing is, is that Beth Phoenix was supposed to be on in the first hour. She's having travel issues, and she has a rehearsal at 6. So we moved. Uh, she had to move her interview into the 5 o'clock hour. And we were going to talk WrestleMania, which I have a blast talking about. Even that, I, as you know, I'll I go ahead and admit I don't know anything about it, but I think it's wildly entertaining. Um, I get it. I understand. Yeah, you understand. I the, understand the, the allure of it. The... Absolutely. And I used to not. I'll admit that I used to look down on people who were wrestling fans. I used to think, what is wrong with this person? They're they're chi- they're children. <laughs> and then. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about like back in the 90s, there was a guy at the Las Vegas Sun I worked with. He was our USC writer, or our UNLV writer, uh, because he had covered John Robinson at USC, and John Robinson was now the athletic director, or, well, he was the head football coach in the athletic, anyway. And uh, Steve Gehrman. And he was, you know, 10 years, 15 years older than me. And I learned that he was a pro wrestling fan. And I just thought, what a tool. I'm like, what is with this guy? And then... What happened was, and I used to, and then John Vogel is really into wrestling. And John's one of my all-time closest friends. And the best man at my wedding, P.J. O'Hanrahan, is a huge wrestling guy. And it just kind of feels like, if these are people who I love, if these are my guys, and they're into wrestling, then who am I? And so then, one day, at a Buffalo Wild Wings, I met up with John Vogel, and we watched some pro wrestling, and I had a blast. 
I had to keep pestering him with questions about, like, all right, now who's this guy and what does he do? And is he a peel or is he a face? Well, I didn't know the terms back then. I was just a good Baby guy, face. good guy, bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Okay. Now why are these guys doing that? And what? And so of course everybody, especially in a bar situation or group setting, people are going nuts, and you get into it. So anyway, Polo had to take off. He was going to help Maybe us. Maybe he's on his Beth way to Phoenix. WrestleMania. <laughs> he could be. Front row it is. It is Sunday. It's in New York City. It's at MetLife. Or uh, no, it's not in New York City. It's at MetLife Stadium. It's in New Jersey. I misspoke earlier in the show. They're Chad, doing other stuff. It's in New York City, but that big show is in New Jersey. But it's it's a week long event now, and there's a lot of events. Well, it's going like on the Super Bowl, City. right? Beth Phoenix came out of retirement. She's actually going to be a part of the show, which I think is cool. She's a Canisius College grad. You may be saying, so why is she going to be on the show? Well, or this show. And the Tim went to Graham Iroquois show. High School. Wrestled for Iroquois High School. Iroquois High School, Canisius College. She's out of retirement. She's in the Hall of Fame, Wrestling Hall of Fame. She was on Raw Monday night. Women are in the main event. There's all kinds of things to talk with Beth, Beth Phoenix about. Are you a wrestling guy, Chad? I wrestled in high school. But not pro wrestling. What high school? Camera West. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two years. Kevin Day, was he your coach? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I wrote about his son, Corey Day, state champion. Oh, is he? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I didn't either, nor did I care. <laughs> <laughs> We're, I'm having a little moment with Chad. Yeah, we We're bonding here. <laughs> Chad Dedeminisis of DieByTheBlade.com. He's the managing editor there. He's here in studio with us. He also co-hosts the podcast Beyond the Blade and about to hit 100 episodes. They're at Ooh. 94-ish. You said you weren't quite sure. You think it's 94? I'm pretty sure it's 94. Okay, 94-ish. We're getting towards the century mark. Yeah. Um, and I listened to it, but I called it the Die by the Blade podcast earlier. I've been misspeaking a lot. I have MetLife Stadium in New York City. I have Beyond the Blade podcast being called something else. I'm confused by what's going on with Buffalo sports fans. Mm. <laughs> and I spoke us right into a break, didn't I? Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. But that's all right. It's okay. We're going to have Patrick Beeline coming up. Yeah. We're also going to have uh, Beth Phoenix, hopefully, and uh, more Sabres talk with uh, Chad Dito. But real quick, I mean, I know your answer, but we have some listeners here who may not be familiar with your – can you do it quickly? What is your question? Your belief as to whether the Sabres should make a change with either their general manager or their head coach? Head coach, no doubt. Manager, general manager stays, head coach has to go. You think uh, over the weekend. Right. Not Misohonia. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270 the fan. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. Uh-oh. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Five to one. We talked about last time, right? I think I played the original five to one. This is Jay-Z remix. Maybe I played this. I don't no, know. I think you played this. No, darn it. You called me out. This oh, is yeah, you, it's this our is intro. This is what you play every week. It's our intro. And this Sorry. conversation happens, and it's always the Jay-Z. <laughs> but, I've, but I was gone for two weeks, so I think Oops. it's only happened to me once. <laughs> What's the name of the song, though? It's not five to one, is it? No, it's uh, Takeover. Yeah. You know who's taken over? Oh, yeah. Patrick Beeline's taken over the Niagara University basketball program. He's joining us on the line now. 
Patrick Beeline coming out of Division II Lemoyne. He had a 77 and 44 record. You may think, well, okay, let's do the math quickly. I'll do it for you. It's a 65% win percent. It was, well, it's a 0.653 win percentage as I mangle the English language like my father before me. <laughs> and like his father before him, hopefully Patrick Beeline can dominate some things in the Metro Atlanta Conference. Patrick Beeline, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Tim, thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm awful glad you did that math because I was trying to figure it out and I was way behind you. <laughs> <laughs> 6.53, that's a pretty good winning percentage. A handful of trips to the Division II NCAA tournament. Um, welcome to welcome back to Western New York. People uh, probably, if they've been following along, know that uh, Patrick is a proud alum of Starpoint High. Yeah. Uh, where yep. where did you live there? Because Starpoint could be any number of places, but where did you where was your home when you went to Starpoint? Yep. So we we lived in Lockport, um, Lockwood Lane, um, and then actually I, I moved. We moved into the city of Buffalo for his last year at Kinesia. So four years at Starpoint, and I actually went to St. Mark's for one year uh, before we moved down to Richmond. So um, I kind of got both, but my time at Starpoint was a lot of fun. What is it about coming back to Buffalo that is most enticing? Now, of course, you have the program, and it's technically Lewiston. You're in Niagara County, so I guess I should say Western New York. But uh, there are so many people, places, I'm sure, that feel like home still. Uh, but can you summarize it, uh, what the feeling is like to get your Division One break uh, in a place that you know so well? Yeah, it's extremely uh, special for me. You know, my mom and dad are both from this area. Uh, they both went to the Sales High School. Uh, they grew up in Newfane area. So for me, my dad still has a lot of family here. My mom has family. So we would make trips back here all the time uh, to visit them uh, when we were kids. And then even in college, we would come back to see uh, both sides of my parents' family. So it's just special to be here now. And, you know, they're excited to have us here, uh, my wife and I and our son Tommy. And we're looking forward to them making trips, my mom and dad, to see us. Um, so uh, what a great opportunity. Uh, I'm blessed to be here and, and looking ready to, to go make some noise in the MAC. Now, Jonah Bronstein's here, uh, and um, she's going to have some questions for you. But I want to actually uh, follow up on something that he tweeted last night. You enjoyed uh, – you didn't get to see a victory, but I'm guessing you enjoyed your reception last night. Uh, at the arena uh, for the Sabres game, and uh, Jonah had made the point that uh, in one day uh, you've done enough to endear yourself to the Western New York fans than Chris Casey did in his six seasons that were here. And uh, uh, What do you think are the most important preliminary steps to instill... Oh, no, this has been a... <laughs> This has been a word that gets uh, is a polarizing word in Western New York culture because a lot of people make fun of culture. There are some people who are more into the idea that culture is a myth and it's just all about having the best players and calling the right X's and O's. But when it comes to what's happened at Niagara in the past and what you want to happen in the future, what are the preliminary steps that need to take place? Yeah. Um, well, first with that Sabres game, uh, the goal got called back. That was ridiculous. And the the Predators, they scored that kid's stick was all the way up to the top of the arena. But regardless, I thought they played hard. Um, 
But to go to your Patrick Beeline's already establishing himself as an excuse maker. <laughs> That's the way the game is called. I just saw it differently. Um, I was really hoping they could pull out the win. Is, uh, but um, just the way the game's called. I understand referees. They're always right. I've learned that. Um, Has so your I, mother? I think, no, she hasn't. She still hasn't uh, fully understood that, which... It's funny, at a game, she'll nudge me, hey, get up and yell at the ref. I'm like, Mom, I can't get up and yell at the ref. She's like, well, I can't. So we just sent my brother-in-law, and he goes and, and yells at the ref. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like a trickle-down effect. Um, but the, the great question about the culture. I think the biggest thing, um, people can talk about culture, but people have to teach culture. And that goes with relationships, and that's what we plan to do. You have to be able to teach a culture you have to be able to have relationships with your players so they believe in what you're saying uh i don't i think that's really uh sometimes overlooked people can have signs all in their locker room and this is what we do but if you don't talk about it and if you don't build it um there is no culture people can say we have one but you got to work at it it just doesn't happen overnight uh just like practice we work every day in practice to get better you have to work every day to improve your culture, and that's talking about it. Hey, Patrick, Jonah Bronstein here. Just wanted to ask you the difference between coming from Division Two to Division One. What do you think are the challenges and the differences both as a basketball X and O's coaches and in recruiting? What things do you have to do differently than you did in your previous job? Yeah, that's a, Jonah, that's a great question. So I think coaching to me is coaching. And, you know, coming from a Division Two. Um, you still have to execute in games. I look at it as now uh, rising up the ranks and having better players, uh, quote-unquote. I still have to coach them, and that goes back to me uh, teaching, building relationships with them. So there's nothing that has to change with uh, the way we do things, X's and O's. I have to really start over and build relationships with new players, new guys that I haven't recruited. Uh, so that will be a challenge, but that's a challenge that I look forward to in, in growing uh, each day. And then recruiting, uh, we looked for Division One players when I was at LeMoyne, and we were hoping they would slip through the cracks. We're looking for a, a, a kid in our system, a high IQ kid, tough-nosed kid who makes winning plays. So we've been looking for that at the Division Two level. Unfortunately, we usually don't get those guys because a lot of kids want Division I, uh, but that won't change a lot. I'll just be able to present, you know, I'm at Niagara University, uh, in the MAC, a mid-major, uh, and hopefully that carries a lot of weight. We can get these kids we've been looking at. From your initial evaluations, what do you like about what's coming back with the roster and where you guys might fit in the MAC in year one? Are you looking for guys in recruiting that, you know, older players, transfers, or junior college guys that could help you make a quicker transition? Yeah, we just had our first workout, and you know, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the way we, they played as a team. Um, I think that there's a lot of pieces there. Now there's a lot of moving parts that we're going to have to kind of to get together uh, and figure out, but there are some pieces here that we will build on. Um, I can't really uh, go into more about if it's going to be a junior college or we're going to look at for the transfer route. We're going to look at the kids who fit Niagara. Uh, first, academically, uh, it's a challenging school. Uh, and then the basketball-wise. So whether that's a junior college, a Division One transfer, or a high school kid, you know, we have some scholarships to give here that we'll find the pieces. Uh, but it's a little early. I still have to evaluate a little bit more. Uh, after a week, 
Uh, if you guys want to bring me back on, I have a clear answer for you. All right. One week from today, we'll call you back, regardless Perfect. of what you're doing. I'm not even going to send a reminder, because maybe you'll be in the middle of something interesting, and uh, be, you can put could, us on speakerphone. That would be great. Absolutely. So we're in conversation with Niagara University coach Patrick Beeline. How does that sound when you hear it? Is that still something that, that sounds a little funky? Uh, a little bit, because, you know, you hear Lemoyne for so long. Um, but it, it sounds it sounds really good, you know, at the Niagara University. It does sound really good. What are your thoughts on the conference? And it was a down year, or at least a strange year for the conference. Nobody, I don't know, one winning record or something like that, or only one team was more than one win over 500 in Niagara the conference? Niagara had the best non-conference record and then was last in the league play. And so. had a fantastic road record or something. Wasn't there they some, some weird road thing? Games. Okay, so... It goes to show you. you Canisius know, what, was a team that won more on the road than... That's what that's it is. Okay. I'm sorry, Coach. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, see, you know, I'm... All right, let's talk about this. I'm going to catch myself, and I may insult you in the process here, Patrick. I don't like to call coaches coach, because I don't think you're a priest or a doctor. Uh, but there are a lot of people who just... Well, just, that you've never met before that just come up and call you coach. Isn't that mm-hmm. kind of strange? Uh, I mean, you're not their coach. Bit. Yeah, you're not their coach, you know... Yeah, I don't really think of it like that. Um, now you will, and you'll blame me. Now now I will, yeah. Right. Now I'll be like, this is interesting. Why you call me coach? Yeah, great point. <laughs> I never thought of it. Like, Some, like, sometimes yeah. they don't know your name. Sometimes That's I true. call coaches at the high school level coach because I haven't met them yet and I don't know their name. <laughs> yeah, Skip. Hey, what's up, Skip? And the, and yeah. you're the baseball diamond. The best, the best is uh, about my dad. You know, they'll call him sometimes Jim Beeline. I think they get confused with Jim Beheim. They call him Jim Beeline. <laughs> hey, Jim Beeline. And, and I just like, oh, that's pretty bad. How many times do you get called John? None. None. A lot taller, more hair. It helps me out. <laughs> All right, so back to my question. I'm sorry. Regarding the, the Metro Atlantic, your thoughts on the conference, uh, it seems to be in a uh, – I don't want to say ripe, but if you want to make a move, this is a conference that a couple of timely recruits and the right uh, system, uh, you really can uh, make up ground quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I'm still getting my feet wet a little bit. I'm going to watch a lot of tape on the teams uh, that we'll be going against. You know, you see a few uh, during the year, but you're so entrenched in your own season. uh, And I was getting ready for the, the NE10 schedule. So, that's something I'm going to really dig in here uh, this summer and to see what we're up against. But I, I have a feeling every game in the MAC, watching my dad's teams play, every game on the road, uh, at home, the win-loss record, it doesn't matter. You're going to be in for a battle. And in this league, uh, anybody can beat anybody. Uh, I think Niagara last year had some great wins against the top-tier teams. Uh, and then they you know, lost a few against the teams at the bottom. So uh, that speaks volumes and that's usually the landscape of all of college basketball at this level now your father has been pretty open about his passion for the buffalo bills how much of that have you inherited you did spend some time here during when the bills were going to super bowls are you as much of a bills fan as the rest of your family rabid rabid bills fans love them and i'm when i took the job at uh lemoyne I was so happy I did not have to buy the NFL package anymore on DirecTV because it was on the local TV. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm a huge Bills fan. Uh, I usually try to make it up uh, to once, uh, once a year to a game. John Murphy, the voice of the Bills, came to my wedding because uh, he's a good friend of my dad. So 
Um, huge Bills fan. Looking forward to uh, what they do next year. Love what uh, Scott McDermott, Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott has done. Just call him Coach. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's why I messed up his first name because now I don't want to call him Coach. He, he does not. But he's done a great job. Will you get season tickets? Um, I'll try. I'll try to do that. I'm, I'm going to be pretty busy up here, but you know, I'll try to hit up you know John Murphy up there to see if he can't hook me up a couple of times. There you go. Those are free. Those yeah, you have we to like pay those. for. Uh, one last question regarding your your father, because uh, I think it's probably a tale that's as old as sports, uh, or at least the second generation after sports were invented, uh, is uh, fathers trying to or sons trying to differentiate themselves from their fathers, be their own man. Uh, and yet, I get a sense that your family is so tight that the bonds are there, and there are things that you can uh, capitalize on regarding your father and his success, whether it be through recruiting, through your last name. It is a, it's a nationally known name. Um, what can your dad's success do for you, even if it's something as long, uh, along the lines of what you've learned from witnessing it firsthand but things that you can actually implement or uh, have materialize uh, in Lewiston. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, uh, Tim, the way the, the college landscape is now with all the FBI stuff, um, the integrity of the game. Um, you can't cheat this game you know, on the court as a basketball player or off the court in the recruiting process. I'm extremely lucky to uh, have my dad. I, I know he does it the right way. I've seen it at the Richmond level, at West Virginia when I played for him, and at the highest level now of, of Michigan, integrity that he has. Um, I believe that just only helps me as I rise through the ranks, and that's one thing that I will never um, look past as I continue to try to build programs, that no player is bigger than the program, and you have to do it the right way. You can win the right way. He has proven that, and I'm going to try to continue to, to win uh, that way, and, and I know I will win that way. Uh, it will take some time here at Niagara, but there's no question that we will. Patrick Beeline, Starpoint high grad, former Lockport resident, and now head coach of the Niagara University Purple Eagles basketball program. Thanks for joining us on this show. Uh, good luck uh, in this upcoming season. And uh, you certainly have injected some energy uh, into uh, the Big Four basketball landscape, which has been, well, it hasn't had a shortness of energy uh, with the last few seasons or even college basketball in general at the D2 level or the junior college level. And we we try to talk about it on the show as much as we can. But, uh, boy, Niagara is uh, a lot more exciting today than it was two days ago. Thanks for joining us. Um. Wait, great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Patrick Beeline. Um, and a little, little bit more college basketball news uh, before we head to the break. Lindsay Darkangelo, friend of the show, she works with me at The Athletic. She has tweeted out that she's heard from a source that Felicia Leggett-Jack has turned down the Penn State Whoa. women's basketball really job. Uh, and uh, I don't know that that necessarily means she will stay at UB for sure. But that's an offer that uh, is not going to be filled by FLJ. Turned down jobs last year, too. Interesting. Boston College, Clemson, I heard. Seems to like it here in Buffalo. Yeah, she's got a good thing going. UB, uh, and who knows what UB's doing behind the scenes. They don't want to lose both of their coaches in the same offseason. But anyway, 
Uh, we're going to try to get Beth Phoenix on the horn here during the commercial break. So when yeah. we come back, we may have her. Hopefully we do as she's uh, heading to her WrestleMania rehearsal. And uh, if not, we have a plan 1A, 1B. A1. A, she's 1A. Chad DiDominicis is 1B. <laughs> more Sabres talk. More Bills talk. WrestleMania. Whatever you want. Phone lines open. Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The fan. I'm just like out of my gourd and I'm all hopped up on NyQuil and Tim Hortons coffee. So uh, let's see what kind of silliness we can get into. Taking your calls at 270-1270. For calling in to congratulate yourself on a well-deserved victory. And if you keep talking this way, they'll take you away to the funny farm. Uh, the Tim Graham Show. On Twitter at 1270thefan. This is Sports Radio 1270thefan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Jonah Bronstein and Bobby Rosati producing the show. In studio, Chad Didaminisis from Die by the Blade and the Beyond the Blade podcast. Big thanks to Patrick Beeline for um, calling in on the show. We're efforting to get Beth Phoenix on the line. We were talking earlier, Chad, and we'll talk about it some more if uh, if we are able to get Beth here. Uh, regarding the head coaching situation at the Buffalo Sabres, you, we teased it earlier in the show that uh, you do like the idea of replacing Phil Housley. Yeah. If so, with whom? There's options. I mean, the guy I mentioned earlier, Chris Taylor is an option. Just bring him up. That's an easy change. Uh, there's plenty of guys out there. Joel Quenville, Sheldon Keefe in the AHL. Sheldon uh, Keefe's a hot name. I don't know if the Marlies let him go, because I wonder how long Babcock's going to hang out there, especially if they lose another round. All uh, right. Chris Knobloch's another guy. There's a lot of guys. We can talk about it. There's a lot of guys. Okay, we'll get into it. But right now, we have Beth Phoenix on the line. And uh, she is, uh, we were talking about efforting to get her on the phone. She is efforting to get to a rehearsal. I can't thank you enough. I am grateful that you would give us a few minutes. And if you have to go, that's fine. Because this is the biggest week of the year for professional wrestling. And you can't be wasting your time with the likes of me. Uh, (laughs) But thank you for joining me to talk about what's going on this week. And I think really what's going on with your career and what's going on with women's wrestling. Oh, it's so nice to to talk to you. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, I mean, what a big week, right? WrestleMania week. It's huge for all of us. And in particular, I mean, I don't want to brag or anything, but the women, and, and I, I just, I'm so excited because the women are absolutely going to steal the show. This is our year, and we have so many great things lined up. And, you know, for the very first time, the women will be headlining WrestleMania, and all of us just couldn't be more excited. It's just, it's such a, it's such an amazing, I don't want to say vindication, but it's just like a celebration, you know, a celebration of all the hard work from, from generations past up until today in our current uh, roster of wonderful, uh, wonderful lady wrestlers. And I'm so excited to be a part of it all. Now, Beth Phoenix is, well, this, this word makes you sound old. 
but you are a pioneer in women's wrestling because you had a you put in a lot of the work that is going to lead up to Sunday night's event. And you're out of retirement and you're already in the Hall of Fame. Um but very much in your prime. I mean, this is, uh, this is, uh, so, uh, and here I am trying to now talk myself out of a hole, uh, but, but Beth, how does <laughs> let, it let feel me... to be able to come in and be uh, still a part of it when maybe not that long ago you thought that was it, uh, and now this is all coming together? Yeah, so let me, let me help you out with the verbiage a little. Instead of old and pioneer, I prefer vintage. <laughs> vintage, <laughs> okay. Like a fine wine. Um, but, you know, so the deal with me is I started very, very young. I, I started in the wrestling business at 19 years old. This is actually my 20th anniversary. Uh, 2019 is 20 years in wrestling for me. So I started very, very young, and um, I was the youngest um, pro wrestler to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I was 36, and I was inducted. So um, I retired at 31. I was very, very young. I accomplished a lot um, in, in my 20s, you know, in my, my younger years. So I, I still had um, a lot to give, but, you know, there was some other priorities in front of me. I wanted to spend more time with my parents. I hadn't seen my parents in 10 years, and I had just I, we just lost my dad last September. So um, I, I wouldn't trade all of these wonderful years that I got to spend with him and with my family and, you know, of course, my children. I had, I had two beautiful young girls and have enjoyed motherhood so much um, and got to spend time with them as as little babies and starting getting, getting them ready for preschool and kindergarten. Um, so yeah, but I'm, I'm not, I'm 38, you know, I'm, I'm still very healthy and I didn't have any, I had injuries while I was performing, but my, my injuries haven't really impeded me a whole lot in getting physically fit. So I just, I, I've been watching and enjoying what the women's revolution has been doing for all of us. And, and I just thought to myself, you know what, the timing feels right. Myself and Natty, you know, we wanted this. We we worked together as a tag team for many years, and at the at that time, it just wasn't in the cards for there to be a women's tag team championship. And so, when the cards have kind of all lined up, the stars have aligned. Uh, you know, Jim Anvil, the Anvil Nightheart's going into the Hall of Fame this year. It just feels like a little bit of kismet, like a little bit of magic in the air. And that's why I just I feel like the timing is right for myself and Natty, the Divas of Doom, to come out and to take what's take what we've wanted for so many years, and that's the Women's Tag Team Championships. Why is the women's movement coming to a head right now? Why do you think this is the time and it didn't happen sooner or we don't, I guess, thankfully have to wait much longer? Why, why, is, this, uh, why is it happening right now? And I know that that involves a little bit of a history lesson, but uh, what's your perspective on it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge cultural shift right now. I think we're seeing, like, female superheroes take the forefront. The Wonder Woman movie, Captain Marvel. Um, female characters just across the board are really, you know, resonating with our audience. And I think the audience is just demanding it. The audience is, and it's not just women. It's not just the female audience that's like, oh, we want to see more more women being featured. It's it's the dads. It's the brothers. It's the husbands, you know. They want to see their, they want to see positive female role models in their lives and, um, and you know, things for their, the young ladies in their lives. They want to see women out there putting out positive messages and doing more and doing what we've always been capable of, but just haven't had the platform yet. I think that our culture is ready. I think the WWE universe is ready. And we are all just so proud to be a part of it. Every generation is so excited to see this happening. 
When you were involved in your first run with the WWE, did you see this coming eventually? You know, how surprising is it to you and the other older female wrestlers that this moment, this revolution has come about in the past few years? Yeah, so, you know, it's, I would say, from my own personal experience, I saw a performer like Medusa, like Alundra Blaze, or I'd see a performer like China, you know, and then Trish, Lita, there's just, there's Molly Holly was such a big influence for me. We saw, we saw snippets of what the women could do and the attraction that they could raise, you know, to the audience that was beyond a sexual attraction, you know, just being beautiful. And I think that seeing the roles expand, I mean, I knew this, that we could get there. I knew in my heart, I knew the women were capable of this. It was just, like I said, having that platform and giving the women that opportunity. And I, I am so proud of the current generation for, you know, getting these bigger opportunities than maybe prior generations had and killing it. Each, it's one thing to have the opportunity, and it's another to shine and rise to the occasion to be given more. And they really have, they've really created this groundswell that's now just become this amazing um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how to put it other than a celebration. Like I just love seeing the women getting on that equal platform with the men. And I think our audience loves it too. They enjoy seeing the, the women being featured and they're just having such a great time um, watching this all develop and just, just having something different at the forefront. We're in conversation with Beth Phoenix, who will be taking part in the uh, WrestleMania event on Sunday in East Rutherford, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium, involved in the, I guess, going up against the tag team champions. Um, yes. We'll be in a fatal four-way. The tag team championship is on the line. Myself and Natty, the Divas of Doom, we have Sasha and Bailey. We have the Samoan Slaughterhouse, Nia Jax and Tamina. And then we have the Iconics. And so you have four different teams, all really polished, all coming in, bringing their best. And I just know, I know that we are going to steal the show. We absolutely are going to give everything we've got. WrestleMania is the dance. It is, you know, it's everything that you want to, you aspire to be and aspire to perform in front of that audience when you get into wrestling. 35 years this institution has been building, and I am so excited to, to yet again get to lace up my boots and be a part of it. How many WrestleManias is this for you, Beth? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> like six, I think. I've been a part of six WrestleManias. Um, and I've, I've actually been in a couple of tag matches at WrestleMania, so I know what it's like to go in there and have a tag team match. And, um, yeah, I, just, I'm, I'm, I know what that crowd feels like. I know what that pressure feels like. And it takes a lot of courage to go out there and um, to bring your best. It's, not, it's definitely not something that um, you ever take lightly as a performer. And you, just, you know that these moments live forever in the, in, in the minds of our audience, but also in our own minds. So you just want it to be your best performance of your life. And um, it's, just, there's, it's really hard to describe. There's nothing else like that. Other than the birth of my children... It's it's and the and my marriage to my husband, my our wedding day, um, it it ranks like the top moment of my life. WrestleMania is amazing. That was a pretty good one. Sliding that in there at the end, uh, and 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 my wedding day. Yes, my wedding day and my kids. Those are those are top notch, and WrestleMania is right right behind that. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Beth, and then I'll let you go. I know you're on your way to rehearsal. Uh, yeah. How will you watch? The as you keep calling it a celebration, the main event. How how will you're going to be in the stadium? There's probably all different ways that you could soak in this uh, big moment for women in your career, uh, in your profession. Uh, 
What are your plans? Physically, how will I watch it? So um, I I love, so I'm a wrestling fan. I grew up a wrestling fan since I was five years old. My, My grandmother loved it, and, you know, we all watched it as kids. And I know there's nothing better than seeing WWE live. I don't want to watch it on a screen. I, I will probably put on a little hoodie and sneak out like along the side of the set somewhere so that I can see and feel that energy from the crowd because there's nothing like being there and just feeling like the emotions of, um, of our audience and just being taken along for the ride. I know that those three women are going to leave it all out there. And I'm very excited to feel and see the reactions of our audience because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see the women headlining WrestleMania. I'm sure we will headline WrestleMania many more times, but this, there's only one first. So I look forward to finding a little sneaky spot to uh, to kind of like get put eyes on the ring um, live like I did in the past. I got to have sneaky eyes on um, Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, which I'll never forget. You know, even though I was performing the very next match, I made sure to find a little spot where I could see see the the faces of the folks watching that, and that's really why we do this. We do this to to put smiles on people's faces and bring them along for the ride. And the rat party ought to be something else. You know what you would you would think, but I think most of us are pretty tired after after the show. I think that everybody has like a celebratory cheesecake, and then we all go to bed. <laughs> well, it is Sunday. Everybody's got to go to work in the morning. I know it's not as rock and roll as you would think, because like I said, you're you're 100 percent right. We've got Rob right right on the next day, and your kids you know, have school. Way, you're gonna kids are gonna have school tomorrow. My kids have school absolutely, and you know the road to WrestleMania begins the day after WrestleMania. So we're thinking about WrestleMania 36 on Monday Night Raw on Monday. So you know our we have a, a calendar that's 365 days a year, and so yeah, it's it's on to the next. But first, we've got the big show on Sunday, and so that is going to be amazing. <laughs> well, that grind is what you get for coming out of retirement. Beth Phoenix, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck on Sunday at WrestleMania in your fatal four-way match. And, uh, hey, you. she's billed from Buffalo, New York. She's a Canisius College grad, and uh, this is this is home for her, even though you know, Elmira originally, but when you're Elmira billed originally, from Buffalo, New York, yes. it's it, it, the fans here never forget. I represent Buffalo. I'm very excited to, to go out there and do the same. I'll be building from Buffalo again. And, uh, yeah, I love Buffalo, and let's go Sabres. <laughs> well, we're going to get into that. You might wanna, you're going to want to hang up now because we're about to get into that into the next segment, Beth. Uh, thanks so Aww. much. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. All right, Beth Phoenix. That was very nice of her to uh, squeeze us in. Uh, she was running around today. I didn't think we were going to get her. At least I was – Prepared not to get her, but uh, delightful. Just as delightful as Patrick Beeline was. Yeah. And we're on a good run here. Two del- Maybe we should stop now. Maybe we should. She's a little stronger than Not Patrick have Mike though. Rodak in here to drag things down. <laughs> well, you know what? As I, we were talking about the whole fan situation, and I knew that I was going to get into just like this phenomena or this whatever's going on with the fans, this confusion as I keep talking about. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm glad Mike's not in today (laughs) because Mike has very passionate opinions about Buffalo Western New York sports fans. And I think many of them are accurate. Most of them are accurate. And I think an outsider's perspective also is valuable. But as soon as a listener hears Mike Rodak talking about what his opinions are of you as a Western New York sports fan, people are tuned out. They, They don't care. 
because they know this is a guy who's experienced nothing but winning in his life mm-hmm. as a Boston sports fan and a guy who you know covered the Patriots and the Celtics and the Bruins have even won a Stanley Cup. So it's good. It was like good. It's like let's let's just talk amongst ourselves here, and we're going to do that when we come back with Chad Diedemenesis, Jonah Bronstein, Bobby Rosati, and me, Tim Graham, on Sports Radio twelve seventy The Fan. is to entertain, inform, and to provoke thought. What happens if you flick it? On Twitter at 1270TheFan. Buffalo, New York. Taking your calls at 270-1270. I mean, didn't you ever run so fast you thought your legs were going to fall off? You know, like when you were like running toward the swings or running away from Satan? It's just some good old-fashioned American girl-on-girl action. Tim Graham Show. Now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein Amalgamated, <laughs> Bobby Rosati, Diddle in the Knobs, and Chad Dinaminesis of DieByTheBlade.com, where he's the managing editor and co-host of Beyond the Blade podcast, as it approaches the century mark in number of episodes. And we've talked about it a couple of times on the show, Chad, regarding the coaching situation. The fans want Phil Housley's head on a platter mm-hmm. with or without a side dish of Botterill. <laughs> but you are of the belief that uh, the Sabres need to move on. Yeah. I don't disagree. I will say that I philosophically would prefer continuity because of all the upheaval we've had. And I'm not saying uh, sometimes firing for the sake of firing is fine with me. I've mm-hmm. thought it before. But we're talking about this would be the f- f- if, we're, if they fire Phil Housley, their fourth coach in five years, I right? So. Or not, six. Or six years because Bryles only got two years. Yeah, fourth coach in six years. So how do you balance that? How do you reconcile you need to make a change and yet too much change? Yeah. Maybe there's diminishing returns in the effect of new blood behind the bench. Well, it, it really is. It, it's a catch-22, right? Because you're right. I mean, it the continuity thing is big. It's important. But I think continuity comes with winning, too. Uh, and I will say, or at least my opinion also, is I think continuity is – least important in hockey when yes. it comes to coaching that is yes. and then maybe any other yeah. sport and, yeah and there's there really is a lot of turnover too with the thing in hockey too and that's the thing you know you have new players younger players coming up every year older players going out so there's a lot of change on your roster i mean this is a team that's changed their roster over between eight and ten players the last two years both years so they've had a lot of turnover a lot of change and they're probably gonna do a lot of that again this year it, it comes down to me with housley is I get the only two years, but there's so many signs that he's just not up to it. It's player usage. 
you know, even as recently as we have, there's these games are meaningless. There's no point. You just want to see young players. But we have Alexander Nylander playing seven minutes the other night. And then last night where he looked good in his line with Middlestat and Shuri, looked good when they played. And, you know, for a guy like me who looks at the analytical stuff, their expected goals, what this team is terrible at, creating scoring chances, that is one of their best lines of the night. Yet that line plays the least. And then you have, you know, your usage of, you know, Vladimir Saboka while he has You posted some year. graphs on your Twitter yeah, regarding that, I, I posted that a too. lot of graphs. I did, right. but that recently, yes, that was one of the recent so ones. So, by, yeah, by the way, if you're not following Chad Diminisis, be sure to follow him. Do you feel like graphs? Yeah. And let numbers. Me, <laughs> but let me make sure that I get this correct. Now, here's the, I, now I have to spell it if I do this. All right, so hopefully if you're driving, take your eyes off the road, <laughs> find a pen in your glove box, and jot this down. I've retweeted it also. I've retweeted Chad, uh, but so you can go that way. Or write this down while you're driving. C M D Diminisis. Just as it sounds. No, that'd be cruel to do because there's no way you could guess D Diminisis. C M D E D O M I N I C I S. Got it. Chad D Diminisis <laughs> at C M D Diminisis. Sounded like you're reading a phone number. Good luck. <laughs> if you didn't hear that. If you're that. trying to commit that to memory. <laughs> Just change your handle to coach. Yeah, yeah right. I exactly. Coach exactly. D. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So you posted graphs on the usage. Right. Uh, with Ristolainen and uh, It's Ristolainen. It's Pilot. It's... Uh, it's just it's not understanding how to put players in the best position. I have succeed. a feeling you have a handful. Can you narrow it down to uh, your your four least favorite usages? Ristolainen. Ristolainen's and- one. Uh, continues to put him in a position that he shouldn't be in. Uh, he also puts him with players continually he shouldn't be with when it's very clear that Lawrence Pilot is the best defenseman for him, and yet he rarely does. He goes around with everybody else on the carousel and then gets back to Pilot, and then that always seems to work. Uh, and so there's that one. Uh, the pilot one in general, I guess you could say. Uh, as I was saying, Saboka, where he hasn't been good this year, yet he's playing him in a role that he's never done in his career. Uh, I mean, he's at like 72% like defensive zone starts, which is ridiculous to have a player who really isn't that good defensively, who's never done in his career, and do that to him. So that's not helping him. And then the way he plays him. And then there's been things, you know, there's been some injuries, but like the power play having two defensive on it, nobody does that anymore. Mm. That was the thing that they did a lot shoving Ristolainen in, into that defensive spot when really he's just, I mean, into the power play spot where he could just play in the second unit. Uh, I mean, it, it really goes on. I mean, Larson is another guy who's heavily defensively used, but at least he's been good this year. And there's been a lot of question marks. I mean, again, late in the game yesterday, a meaningless game. I have a Kyle Apolso out there as the extra attacker who's trying to take a wrist shot, and he flubs it, and the game is over. I mean, he's not going to score, but, like, I, I don't know. Put somebody else out there. I mean, Dallin was on the bench during that time, too. I mean, it's just it's a lot of frustrating things, and that's only the just just the tip of the iceberg, and it goes beyond that. It, These were similar complaints that we had with Dan Bilesma, right? Jack Eichel being on the bench in key situations. Everybody wanted to see the shiny new right. object out there yeah. on the ice. He wasn't on certain power plays or shootouts. Or yeah, I, I think Bilesma was more of a systems issue, and his thing was he was the kind of guy who liked a system where you use that long stretch pass to create your offense. Well, when you have you know, Falk and Georges and Ristolainen and Andre Mazaros and so on, whatever, who can't make passes, that system doesn't work. Honestly, I think if you bring Dan Bilesman, you put him in this situation, 
not including everything else being separate with the whole issues with Eichel and thing he had, I think he has more success because he has a team with Pilot and Darlene and other players that can make outlet passes and Montour now. And that system would work here where like this defensive man-to-man system that they can't get and there's players just realize just I'll just take a lap and someone will come open and then he'll be wide open for a tap-in. And it's nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. The shot mentality thing bothers me. I'm a big, again, being an analytical guy, I'm a big quality over quantity. Uh, their expected goals are near the bottom in the league. They, The one game everyone pat them on the back for against New Jersey, they had like 35 shots. Their expected goals were like two. Like that, that's that's terrible for wow. you know in a game. I mean, yeah. it's just because all their shots come from the point in the outside, yep. and they'll have maybe like five to eight good quality scoring chances, and you're not going to score in every one of those. So, yeah, your shot chart looks awesome. Look at all these shots we got. Look at the controlled possession. Mm. But really, you just took point shots that the goaltender just ate up all night long. How rare is it to find a coach, because I haven't seen one, at least recently in Buffalo, that will tailor a system to the players he has instead of having a system and forcing the players to play the way he wants to play. Which is, see, that's the hockey way, whereas the other is the football way. Right. Like the end of, like, hey, we, right. we've got to use whatever we got well, here. I think any good coach sure. should be able to coach different ways and evaluate his right. roster. Exactly. More so, I think, at lower levels where you don't get to choose your players. But any good coach should be able to coach one way and coach another way, even game to game, I think. Right. I mean, look, a perfect example is Barry Trotz. He went from the Washington Capitals that are running gun offense, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, yeah, all those good players. Then he goes to the Islanders. They just lost Tavares. They have Matthew Barzell, which is a really good player. And then beyond that, you're, you're Anders Lee and Brock Nelson, which are eh. But look at where they are now. They're, they're, they're like 99, 100 points. They're going to go to the playoffs. And it's all because he came in and he saw, okay, I see my roster. I understand that this team is not going to score a lot of goals. So we're going to focus on defense. We're going to get these two goaltenders We're going to that aren't that great, really, in different teams probably. We're going to shelter them, put some good defense around them. We're going to win with defense first. And then when our defense turns the puck over, we're going to go. We're going to get quality scoring opportunities. We're going to score goals, and we're going to win low-scoring games, and that's how we're going to do it. Is it a sustainable model? That remains to be seen. But, like you said, a good coach understands to come in, look at your roster, and, okay, let me craft it. I mean, you mentioned John Tortorella. He did that with Columbus. He was a hard, this is my way to do it. I'm doing it this way. He gets to Columbus. He crafts some things. He changed some things. Everyone laughed at Columbus for hiring him. Look where they are now all these years later. So, I mean, it's good coaches know how to change and craft. And I think that's the thing they need the most when they're finding another coach. I'm not a big Joel Quenville fan. I think he's in a committee. He's going to do it his way. That's the way he wants to do it. So, they need a younger, innovative coach is where I'm at. Chris Taylor, you already mentioned him. Uh, Obviously, he's available. He just comes up through the pipeline. Mm -hmm. He's from here. Uh, has been in the Rochester area since his playing days uh, with the Amherst, so that's not an issue. His family obviously loves it here. All right, but beyond Chris Taylor, candidates out there that would appeal to you? I mentioned Sheldon Keefe, uh, Marley's coach, but again, I don't know if Toronto's let him go, uh, so we'll move beyond him. Chris Knobloch, who is assistant for the uh, Flyers right now, he was the Erie Otters coach. He coached McDavid and some you know, Debrinkit, some of those other guys. Uh, he had success there when Philly cleaned house with their coaching staff. They kept Knobloch. So he's a young riser. Uh, I like Jay Leach a lot out of Providence. He's you know, the AHL team for the Bruins. He's a good up-and-coming young guy. Uh, DJ Smith on the Leafs coaching staff, I think is another underrated guy that I think maybe should have got a chance already, but he hasn't. So if Babcock, maybe he feels the Rocky Waters there, then maybe he looks to make a move. And then one guy I will mention a lot of people you don't hear about. It's I don't want to say it's out of the ballpark, but Rickard Gromberg, 
the Swedish national coach. There is a lot of Swedish players in this team. There's a lot more coming over. Uh, he right now doesn't have a job. He quit with the national team to, I guess, in a way, come over here and kind of prepare himself to maybe get a job. I think he'd be the first like European coach since like the early 2000s to get a job. But he's innovative, he's smart, and he said these things in interviews where he had last year with sports in the, in the Canadian market is his big thing is crafting a team and a system that works best to your players. And you coach the players you have. You don't install what you have on them. Right. So there's an interview on Sportsnet. Um, you know, I suggest you by listening to Google it. You'll find it. An awesome interview. A lot of innovative stuff in there. He's he's a dark horse candidate. I mean, we on a podcast, we had a coaching bracket. He won between the three of us. We had a fan coaching bracket, and he made it to, like, the finals. So, I mean, it's he's a name that a lot of people maybe not have heard of, but he's an What's interesting name. What is the name again? Richard Gromberg. Richard he was Gromberg. a Swedish national coach. And I think the last time a European head coach was brought in specifically would be, and I, I looked it up, but I can't seem to find anyone earlier, is Ivan Halinka with uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, the right. Czechoslovakian, right. and brought in because at the time Jarmer Jager was mm-hmm. the star player there, and it was one of those Cold deals love. where Jager was mercurial, and they thought that if they brought in somebody who could speak his language and had the respect that they could maybe better manage Yarmir Yager and the other checks mm-hmm. uh, that they had in the system. And it worked a bit. Uh, he wasn't the worst, but uh, he had trouble with English. Mm-hmm. was actually yeah. one of his so the rest downfalls. Of the team, and when, yeah. yeah, Mario Lemieux took control, it was yeah. kind of like uh, they wanted him to take some English classes, and he declined to do it. And so mm-hmm. part of it was communication issues, and yeah. it didn't work out. But well, anyway. Robert could speak very good English, if anybody's curious about that. And he worked with <laughs> yeah. Lukanen, obviously, right? Uh, Lukanen is from Finland. Oh, okay. Well, who am I thinking of? Come on, Bobby. I, well, I'm Sweden, Finland. Uh, he, those I, I don't know if he was. Uh, he might have worked with Dalene in the Olympics. Okay. I don't know if he was still the coach of the Olympics or not oh. when Dalene was there, but he might have been. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's familiar with those guys. I ask you real quick. There seems to be a strong belief from what I've heard from people who are close to the situation and paying close attention that Housley might not be fired at the end of the season, brought into next season on a real short leash, and, and if they don't. Idea. Yeah, I was going to ask, how much is, if that were to happen, and say he gets fired 10 games into next season, how much does that set the Sabres back, not getting a new coach to be able to implement things and work with the players in the offseason? Well, there's one of two things. It, it, it's a bad sign for Jason Botterill because, I mean, he's probably in trouble. Right. And two, not only are you going to put the Sabres in turmoil to get a new coach, because what's likely going to happen then is Chris Taylor is coming up. So then in the AHL, you got to find a new coach down there. It's really got to find two coaches, and it sets two different – I guess teams, I don't want to say organizations, in some turmoil in a way. I mean, you know, you're familiar with your assistant coaches, but still, it, it it's just why? Why bother? If he's going to come in on a 10-game leash, just just do it now. Mm. What is the point? Because it, it just really, that's just. Yeah, find the guy now. Right. That's It's right. A, it's, it's a fear mentality where I, I really, like I said no, to Tim, I, I think they're at the point of no return. You can't go back. There's no way you can settle this fan base. Somebody has to pay is mm. basically the way it is. Unfortunately. And that's yeah. just, you know. There was a thing other Friedman said where Botterill doesn't want, really doesn't want to make a coaching change, but then he went on to say, well, the way things have gone and list some candidates. I think that's where Botterill is. He doesn't want to do this, but at the end of the day, you have to. I mean, it's going to be really ugly. I mean, imagine if Skinner walks and that coach is back next year. Skinner! How how that building is going to look to start next season. So it's, I think to save face, they they kind of have no choice at this point. Well, on that note, let's end the show. (laughs) Chad D. Domenicis, thanks for coming in, for hustling to get here. No problem. We had to uh, 
rejigger the show a little bit because uh, uh, Beth Phoenix uh, flopping from the 4.30-ish time slot till later in the 5 o'clock. But we got you in here, got some good hockey talk, some intelligent hockey talk. I try. You lifted all boats. <laughs> I want to thank Patrick Beeline for coming on the show. He's the new Niagara University basketball coach. Injecting some life into that program. Yeah, sounds I want excited to thank, too. I want to thank Beth Phoenix. I want to thank Polo Kerber for coming in, laying down some Buffalo fan knowledge, helping me through my rant at the beginning of the show. You have some good insight on Antonio Brown. Yes, talking about his relationship with Antonio Brown and uh, Antonio Brown. Well, what Polo Kerber's account backs the as the word gets out that he just didn't want to come here as opposed to Drew Rosenhaus trying to insist that there were other issues at play. Mm. Bobby Rosati did on the knobs as always doing a great job. And Jonah Bronstein, thanks for carrying the show on all topics. Yeah, I'm back here where I belong behind the camera. <laughs> Got a mic though. <laughs> the Tim Graham show comes at you every Wednesday, four o'clock. See you next, well, I guess if you watch on Periscope, you will see me next week. Hear me next week on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Podcast available on Apple Podcast, TuneIn Radio, and SportsRadio1270.com. <laughs>